Testing, testing. Like it's recording. We would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation upon whose ancestral lands our city campus now stands. We would also like to pay respect to the elders, both past and present, acknowledging them as the traditional custodians of knowledge for this land. All right, dear listeners, welcome back to Season 3, Episode 16 of The Bar. We hope you've enjoyed the first week back, and we hope you're enjoying the uni and are still, like us, reeling from the big break. But we've got a lot of exciting stuff lined up today. Some cool weekly specials, a really fun guest that we've going on, an exciting legal scoop by Blake. But before we get into all of that fun stuff, we'll get started with our traditional weekly specials. So, Blake, would you like to kick us off with mm-hmm. your weekly specials? Well, yeah, it's been an eventful start to the semester. It has. I think first we have to mention the start of SEM party. Which you missed out on. I did, big time. And it looked fun. It was extremely fun. All the costumes at the Scary Canary, very well known in Sydney. It was such an enjoyable night. It did not disappoint, especially with all the other societies involved. It was definitely one to remember. And you just, yeah, you just yeah, missed you out. I regret it so much. I, I could have gotten the tickets the day we, you know, we sort of told them that like we've still got a few hours. I could have still gotten one, but I was just so. I was just going to be so tired because I was going to finish work at really? 5.30. And I was like, oh, no. Surely a coffee at night. Just would, yeah, surely an ice cap, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can never go wrong with coffee. So. You can't. So, yeah, have some coffee at Pre's, get there, and then just have a good time clubbing, right? Even a good meal beforehand. I think that kicks you. It would make me sleepy, but yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. My go-to is pepper lunch. Oh, that's a good one. I used to go there when I was in high school. It's been, it's been a long time. I only discovered it last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. As everyone knows, we have... What's the dumpling place called again? Oh, no. I'm going to get slandered for so not knowing. Um, Dodgy dumplings. Dodgy dumps. Yeah, so yeah, ev- everyone, I feel like, older. Yeah. That's their go-to. Older guys. <laughs> the younger ones. That is Pepper lunch. So, pepper lunch is a new Dodgy Dumps then. For so, I, I feel like for the current second years. Because oh, I've heard Spice Alley as well. Oh, a lot Spice of Alley, definitely. There. I love a good fried rice from Spice Alley, even though mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Spice. <laughs> yeah, so just Alley for you then. Yeah. It was very... Um, I think my first time there was about a month ago when I was recording an episode with one of our producers, Georgia, and just ordering was so chaotic. Oh, and I was 100%. so scared. I was I like paid and I was like... Where do I stand? And people were like yelling and. But it's so cool. How there's like so many like little restaurants. It and, is. And you can just like everyone can get their own choice. Yeah. Like, so you don't have to like wait for people. You can just yeah. go wherever. And then you can have like a massive group or try and fit one in with all the tables there, yeah, which is quite hard. Make up chairs and stuff. Very family vibes when you all get your different it meals. Is. Especially after you know you've had a long day and you need to unwind for the night, have some dinner with your friends, and then just head home. One hundred percent. It's so convenient on the way to Central. Exactly. I think those recommendations that we just sort of put up now are great for our first years as well no matter if you joined at the start of this year or if you've just joined with the media intake I think it'd be great if you've sort of you know gone to some of the first year events coming up and after that you guys are making like impromptu plans to go get dinner or drinks or wherever so scary canary as we mentioned and then dodgy dumps but then you know if you want to 
be where the younger people are. Um, <laughs> maybe Spice Alley and Pepper Lunch as well. Oh, 100%. I cannot recommend all of those options. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe not all the same time. <laughs> not at the same time. Not one after the other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's oh, awesome. I reckon another eventful thing for the week. Mm-hmm. Going back to uni. So many readings. Tell me about it. It is just... It's too much sometimes, isn't it? It's only the second week. Well, I'm doing <laughs> constitutional law, which I am excited about, but... Constitutional was actually yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, I did it last sem, and I wouldn't say it's breezy, because it's not. Because it is a lot of content, and it can be quite dry, because, you know, it is the constitution. But if you can get... Dr. Harry Hobbs. I don't know if he is on. No, not, He's this, not semester. On this semester. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had a chat about this earlier yeah. where you were discussing who you might get as a tutor or who you have as a subject. I mean, they're all great people, but I've heard great things about Harry, but I also had him as my tutor and he was the unit coordinator and he's a very hands-on um, tutor. So it was just great to, because I think it was my first time having the subject coordinator as a tutor as well. Oh, I've never had that. I thought it would be scary because I thought that tutor would be, you know, the most um, sort of grilled, but that was not my experience. I think he did some other tutes as well. He might have done an online one last sem. Yeah, Consu is quite well taught. It just, yeah, you have to keep up with the readings, which is very annoying. Yeah, but that's a lot of law subjects, to be fair. I feel like that's like all of them, kind of. I remember one subject, first week, 70 pages of reading, and I was like... Was this Foundies or...? No, I think it was Crim. I can't remember now. Oh, do you remember that big, like, textbook? It was like 500 pages long. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. a lot of them are like that, and then you just, like, line them up. Probably shouldn't admit it, but I opened that textbook, like, twice in that sem. This sem, I have all of them online. Cannot be bothered to physically carry. One of those last-minute learners. Me too. A good set of notes helps with that. Not even that. I'm just a really just like, let's cram. Oh, yeah. Like in the it last w- it two works, weeks kind yeah. of thing? But not even sometimes. Oh, my God. It works. It does work because I do that with notes. Like, I make up whatever notes I can throughout the sem. And then in the last two weeks before whatever final's coming up, I just try and stress and just read everything and, like, practice as much as I can. And then I ended up, like, you know, getting the mark I want. So, happy days, you know. I think before I ask you about your weekly Mm -hmm. special, I would just say a brief good luck to all the firsties and those competing in the Junior Gauntlet this weekend. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be such an exhilarating time for you guys. Good luck with your sub writing. I remember my gauntlet. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it was on Zoom, so you guys are so much luckier than I was to have it in person and it will just be a great kickoff to comps this semester of course i have to give a shout out to the comps exactly and as we did with the episode last week as well and when we were talking about how it's sort of switched from zoom to in person yeah everyone's so lucky to have that in-person element just how it was i guess touch with pre-covid times <laughs> but yeah that's amazing yeah hope hope you guys have a really great time and learn heaps this weekend yes 100 percent. and so now what are your weekly specials quite similar to yours in terms of you know getting on top of readings or attempting that not really succeeding obviously missing out on the start of sem party which is gonna be one of the you know worst times of my semester biggest regret of life biggest regret just for the time being (laughs) I think there's more to come. (laughs) But I've got a friend's 22nd birthday coming up, which is really fun. And it's kind of funny how no clubbing or anything involved. We're just going for a really nice dinner out to a restaurant. I guess 19-year-old me would have just been like, why are we going clubbing? But 21-year-old me... I'm getting old now. (laughs) 21-year-old me is just 
relieved that we're going for dinner and possibly a drink or two. Yeah. <laughs> and just heading home after No, that. I feel like I'm getting towards that stage as well because in the last year we would be going on like five nights a week. Yeah. It's just... And it's just funny how like you're actually younger than me as well, but you're in the same stage of... I'm tired. I want to go home. Oh, yeah, it's 100%. Now, like, I can do, like, one night. Maybe that's it. But, like, lately, because it's birthday season, I reckon. There's a lot of, like, 21st coming up. You've got one coming up soon. I've got another one coming up. I had one that just passed. Oh, nice. And it was a Disney theme. Oh, nice. That's awesome. What'd you go as? (laughs) Keeping that secret. (laughs) But that's amazing. Yeah, it definitely is birthday season. Just, it's great how... It's great for them, right? Because it's their birthdays, but... It's horrible for their close friends, which is us, because, yeah, the wallet suffers. <laughs> oh, definitely. Especially towards the later end of the year. Like, yeah. the wallet definitely suffers. Like, it's like the like, November to Jan, kind of. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm kind of lucky my birthday's in Jan, so remember that, everyone. Yeah, Jan, is it 18th? Yeah. Yeah, Jan 18th, remember that, guys? Yeah. <laughs> um, mine's on the 21st of November as well, so plugging that in, remember See, that, this guys. is what I mean, like, <laughs> later end of the year, start. But you also have to admit that the late end and the start of the year kind of birthdays are the most elite ones yeah uh, don't you think because so? it's like war like it can be a full day thing it can and then go into the night as well yeah. like and it's usually like nice not like pouring down rain like yeah. we've had this year like got great I, what weather. event was it like it was like literally like splendor was it it was splendor yeah. but like i meant like lss event as well like it was a cruise Oh. oh the cruise night poured down rain when we got off the was boat was that the one that was last sam yeah the cruise with the flu that yeah that oh, one. don't even start with that flu for See, me i miss that as well that has stuffed me up for oh, the whole no. like last three months i just i want to know what this flu is because all i know is it's not so do I. my doctor and i don't know <gasps> maybe it's like a law student syndrome it's kind just of thing. like it's stuffed up my lungs completely oh since then God. yeah and it doesn't help with sports oh yeah no that definitely wouldn't help oh wow well if you're affected if anyone else i know a lot of people are affected by that i hope everyone's okay and if you have a cure tell me yeah please the antidote yeah come through with that i need it i think those are some quite well-rounded weekly specials considering it's only the second week of spring sam but i know that now like you've got a legal scoop yes i Would do you like to and share? i'm excited to share my first ever legal scoop oh this is your first uh, ever legal scoop congratulations yeah. thank, you, exciting. thank you and i've delved into not only the law but i've had to touch on my economics degree in some part oh, so okay. it's actually coming to good use a bit that's always a good thing yeah, when the de- the degrees are useful it. yeah <laughs> is it ever the- <laughs> so today's legal scoop is quite a complex international matter that is being considered as an unprecedented matter in the London High Court, which was forced to interpret the constitution of another country, namely Venezuela. For those of you who don't know, Venezuela has been in economic and political difficulties for a number of years now. To put it shortly, they had elections in 2018 where Nicolas Maduro won. However, this was deemed to be a rigged election. And after a lot of discourse, the opposition leader, Juan Guaido, I can't pronounce it properly, was named as leader and has been accepted by the leader by a number of international nations. But this wasn't accepted by everyone. This brings us to the present where both Maduro and Guaido have appointed their own respective boards for the Central Bank of Venezuela. So they're equivalent of the Reserve Bank of Australia. Bank stores some of its gold reserves in the Bank of England vault. 
And essentially, Maduro wanted to take some of that out to supposedly assist the financing of the pandemic effects. But the London Bank would not allow this, and so he's sued them. The London High Court rejected his claim, and so the $1.5 billion worth of Australian gold will remain in the bank. Oh, wow. That is... Yeah, that's a lot of gold. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a bit in awe of how... I see it sounds like something right out of a movie as yeah. well. It's really interesting how they have no, like, decided leader for a number of years now. But, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, it it's an unfortunate situation for the country itself, but it's also very strange for another country to interpret exactly their constitution. When you come from a country where, like, everything is so set in stone yeah. to a certain extent. I've never like, so ever many... heard of a country having two boards of their reserve bank. Yeah, it, it's usually, like, just always set out as is. is and you're not competing or anything yeah, like it's that. like if, if you go into the detail like both boards are like making all these decisions mm-hmm. and it's just no one knows which way to go <laughs> it's almost like government with like you know two parties like yeah well they have two governments essentially yeah. how complicated for the citizens as well yeah. to sort of you never yeah. know where you're being navigated yeah so for now the money will stay in the bank that's always a relief to a certain extent that it's staying in the bank not you know uh, going to i believe it would be a relief for some. Yeah. Obviously, some have their ideas on where it should go. But yeah. For now, and it quite won't go anywhere. Yeah. Where it should go. Well, thanks for that amazing legal scoop, Blake. I think it was a great second legal scoop that we've had this sermon. And you know, we've got so many more to come. But it was your first one, and does it feel great? Oh, it feels amazing. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, you can just do it every week now if you want. <laughs> I'm alright. Thanks. <laughs> Alright, awesome. Um, but we'll move on to today's guests. So our guests for today's episode are from Global Legal Search and Recruitment Company Montgomery Advisory. You might have heard of them. Um, Montgomery Advisory's mission is to support lawyers and legal professionals with their career journey while simultaneously assisting businesses in attracting and retaining lawyers and support staff at all levels. Today, we are joined by Montgomery Edge Director Bill Panarius and in-house recruiter Rosie Allen. So with that, let's welcome to the bar Bill and Rosie. So Bill and Rosie, hi, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 16 of The Bar. How are you both? Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, thanks. That is great to hear. So let's kick it off. And of course, as our viewers and listeners would know, this is a general question we ask each of our guests, and that is, who would you take to the bar? And this can either be the social bar or the legal bar. Who would like to start? Should I go first? Sure, go for it. Uh, I probably, this is slightly left of field, but I actually watched the documentary on Netflix, The Last Dance, which is all about the basketball sort of, and I'm not a big basketball person, but I'd actually take Phil Jackson, who is the coach for the Chicago Bulls. And I just thought it was a really interesting one because of the way that he managed so many different personalities in the team. So that's the social bar. I wouldn't say it's a legal bar, but that's my one. What about you, Bill? Um, well, I suppose if we're going to a social bar, and and, and Phil sounds like a, a really <laughs> good example, you having a nice, nice conversation with Phil in the bar, but I was thinking more of a drag bar that I'd be taking Mariah <laughs> Carey to uh, go and ch- you know have her do a, a sing-off with all the, the drag queens and watch her get knocked out. Um, <laughs> but if I was going to the legal bar, I'd probably take the best criminal lawyer there and because uh, maybe one day, just in case I'm in handcuffs and I need them as a That's you know, want that. contact. That's Unlikely it. to happen, but you just never know. Never know. Never know. With never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, or Shakira. 
while she's still, you know, free and available before she gets uh, taken to, to jail for uh, tax evasion. But, you know, <laughs> alleged, sorry, allegedly, allegedly. Um, so, yeah, there's a few options there. Those are some really interesting guests we've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> memorable ones, for sure. All right, thanks for that, guys. Um, so we'll move on to the next question, which is, could you give a brief overview to our listeners on the nature of Montgomery Advisory's history and work? Sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, we started off, I think it was nearly, what, 10 years ago, nine or 10 years ago now? Um, yes, nearly, um, almost. Initially, 2014. Yeah, like initially doing private practice work, and obviously over time, people in private practice go in house. So, in house obviously has sort of grown a lot, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the last sort of three years. So, Sam and Andrew are our directors and they own the business, and they're both ex lawyers. Actually, most people here are ex-lawyers or have studied law to some <laughs> other than Guilty. myself i'm the only one that didn't but yeah yeah we've and then got, we've, yeah, we've got um we've got we've got a number of parts of the business so we look after the private practice as rosie said in-house we also have an international arm a support mm-hmm. arm mm-hmm. Uh, so we do all the legal support and also a contracting arm uh, which is doing all the contract lawyers and paralegals and contract temp and uh, project-based roles as well. So we did both the perm and the, the contracting side. Of yeah, the interesting. Yeah, so yeah, like best of both worlds almost. Pretty much, yeah. pretty yeah, much. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Double, uh, double value, I don't know what you say. Yeah. <laughs> one, two, three, we'll start. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. We'll start that again, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. But it's a yes, we, so we do offer the best of both worlds. <laughs> That's awesome, thanks for that, guys. So now onto the next question. Um, what is involved in the recruitment process? Yep, good question. Essentially, so we obviously work with a number of different clients across uh, Australia. We work with corporates, we work with law firms across Australia, internationally, in, obviously in the in the UK, the US, Asia, Pacific as well, um, and some Europe as well. And we also work with the the, uh, the public sector as well. So we do a lot of work with New South Wales government and a number of government-owned corporations as well as not-for-profits. So we really work with a number of clients in the, you know, we reach, we have a vast reach. So basically with the recruitment process, we work with these clients to fill their legal resourcing challenges. So a lot of the times they're looking for either paralegals, law clerks or lawyers. And our job is to source those lawyers for, uh, and source those candidates for the clients. So essentially we work with uh, candidates as well by um, sourcing them, advertising, networking, meeting people like yourselves and uni students, eventually they will one day become lawyers and essentially we we build up a very strong network of, of candidates so that we can place those candidates into into the jobs. Yeah, and I think you you know as as those law clerks become lawyers, as Bill mentioned there, you know you kind of you start to do slightly more specialised roles as well. So once they specialise, whether that's banking, transactional banking, corporate M and A, equity capital markets, you know when well for instance I do in house, so I'll have an in house client that comes to me, and you know you get a brief and essentially you know you map the market and it's all about you know mapping the market meeting all those candidates obviously a lot of the time you know the in-house teams can be quite lean not always they can be obviously very large but you know a lot of it's personality fit cultural fit so you want to meet these people and also build a relationship with the candidates so you can help them throughout their entire legal career not just the the role you're recruiting for so you know often you'll meet people and they may not be keen on the job that you're, you know, actually looking to hire at that time, but, you know, you end up building rapport and you place them somewhere else when something else comes up. So, yeah, and just providing them legal guidance in general, Absolutely. you know. So Absolutely. I'd say that's kind of what's involved 
in the recruitment process. Yeah, and, and essentially just guiding guiding the lawyers. As Rosie said, at every stage of their career, and and the reality is, it's your career. It's you know we're there to advise and yeah. to guide and to provide recommendations and our insight uh, into what we know about what the clients is what the clients looking for what opportunities arise as out of those up those roles mm-hmm. and so for us it's about just making sure that we're working with people and putting them into the into good places and from there that's essentially how we've built up an established brand and being able to grow as much as we have absolutely i think it's just so beneficial for candidates that you guys are so thorough but then you've also got that global reach mm. um but that also brings me to my next question i think You've sort of covered this a little bit, but what are some other benefits to a candidate for working with Montgomery Advisory when they're sort of looking for a job? Yeah, good question. Look, we're obviously very well known in the market. We've probably got the largest, uh, actually we are the largest legal recruiter, specialist legal recruiter, uh, independent Australian owned and operated legal recruiter in the market. We do all, like as Rosie said earlier, most of us are ex-lawyers. If not, we've also got very, very strong industry and legal knowledge and understanding of the of the clients. I myself, for example, worked as a lawyer for a number of years, very unsuccessfully, but then moved into recruitment <laughs> and have worked in an agency and also worked in-house. So I've actually worked for two law firms actually running the recruitment function. I've run grad programs or run summer clerkships, winter clerkships, you name it. So I have a good understanding of how it works on both sides. Mm-hmm. So we can provide a lot of insight and value to candidates as they as they conduct their searches. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're specialists in our field. You know, obviously legal is pre- predominantly what we do other than, you know, obviously support, which is legal support. But each and every consultant really knows their law firms and their in-house clients. So in terms of knowing, you know, for instance, the people in, in private practice, you know, they go to partners meetings, they know their personalities, they know how to prepare people for interviews. Mm-hmm. So that's super beneficial, I think, because mm-hmm. you get a bit of a sense as to whether someone's quite dry or if someone's quite, you know, relaxed or funny. Yeah. So it's, it's useful for the candidates to gain that extra bit of insight that they wouldn't get if they just applied, you know, Absolutely. you know, directly. So it's quite good that in that sense. And same with in-house as well I'd yeah. say yeah absolutely yeah. and Rosie's hit the nail on the head the relationships that we have with partners and general counsels Rosie's got a lot of contacts in the especially in the banking and finance space and those relationships that we have with the clients and now that that inside knowledge of how the team works and, and what they're looking for the cultural fit the opportunities that those jobs create are, is stuff that we just know through just having worked those roles and, and building and establishing those relationships with those key contacts. If anything, this would give the candidates a more of a competitive edge as well. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They, um, yeah, I mean, we, we give them preparation as well. We give them, you know, a lot of information on the role, who the team is, where they've come from, their backgrounds. Um, you know, the benefits of social media now and LinkedIn really make due diligence very a lot easier for the candidates mm. there's no excuse yes. but the the extra the extra point that we add again is like i said that inside knowledge and the sort of some of the tips that we can assist them with to, to help mm. them secure that role it's yeah. quite detailed i don't think many uni students would know this no not at all it's there's a lot that goes into the recruitment side of things especially in finding that role and then finding the, the perfect role and you know i know when i was at uni in the late 90s 
It was um, <laughs> in the early 2000s. It was, it was very difficult. The internet had only just come out and, you know, I don't even think I had a mobile phone, but, you know, I remember sending off my applications in the mail, you know. Does anyone know what that is anymore? I'm not sure. Um, or faxing it or whatever. And then I don't think anyone knows what that is either. But hundreds and hundreds of rejection letters would come my way. But, you know, it was fine. It's very different nowadays. Everything's done online and everything's electronic. Um, but I had no idea about you know, what the legal teams were like, who, you know, who the, who the partners are, who the, who the people are. There's so much information available now and it's so easy to get access. Yeah, um, exactly. That. I think Bill's right. That's, and we'll probably touch upon that more later in terms mm. of, you know, some other questions we ever had, but, you know, in terms of the DD in due diligence and researching things mm. when you're going to these interviews yeah. as grads is very, very important. So um, definitely don't try and wing it. You know, preparation's key, especially, you know, you're going to be one of a lot of people going for these jobs. So, you know, anything where you can get that sort of edge, definitely do it. <laughs> well, I think that takes us forward, especially as young people trying, well, continuing and representing a group of people who are trying to get into the legal field. And mm-hmm. um, what qualities or attributes do you look for in a candidate? There's a few. There's a few. There's, a <laughs> There's few. quite a few. I mean, I think you've got to think about it in a sense, as Rosie just mentioned earlier, you're one of thousands of law students that are going for jobs where there's very limited opportunities. And I'll start by saying you're not the only person that gets honours you know, yeah. in, in your transcripts. And grades are absolutely very important. And I will not stress that enough because clients will ask us very often for academic transcripts. But yeah. it's not just about your grades. We look for people who are passionate, who are hungry, who have good, strong extracurricular activities in their um, in their CVs. What jobs are they doing? Are they just studying law and, and not doing anything else? Or are they actually working as well? And are they actually, you know, juggling their social life, their work life, their home life and their studies in the one hit? Real life, as we know, is difficult. So when you're studying, it's not just about... I'm studying full time and everything else is done for me. It's about what exactly are you doing? You know, show us a bit more of an all round version of yourself. I know when I was doing a lot of the clerkships, that's exactly what we look for. You, you, want, a, you want somebody who can study, but who also can juggle work, who also can have a social life, who can also go out and do things to, to maintain their mental health and somebody that can keep that work-life harmony, I guess, as you, you could call it. I don't like the word balance, but harmony is probably good because things are about choice. It's about showing how they can stand out from the crowd, essentially. So I think a bit of humility as well, but because the fact is that they don't have the experience uh, at this level. Mm. You know, you're going to get that experience, but to get yourself in there, you really need to be able to stand out from the crowd. So I think somebody who's got their passion, who's, who's hungry for it, who's done their research, as Rosie said, do your due diligence. It's so easy to do and, and be prepared for, for the situations that you're in. The people that you speak to, take the time out to actually engage with people and relationships are so important. Yeah, definitely. And I think as recruiters, we we look for kind of, you know, honest, honesty is a big one, you know, transparency, you know, with, with us in particular, we're here to help with people's careers and if someone's transparent, then we're going to be more able to, to help you. And if you don't know, that's okay as well. Yeah, you can absolutely. figure that out as, as, as we go. But yeah, I think with Bill was right in terms of attributes, I think, you know, the can-do sort of attitude and the humility is a big one, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. As you progress in your career, those things start to sort of become, you know, the academics will become less and less important. But 
the way that you you know conduct yourself you know at that initial stage when you're at uni and that you are applying for jobs because it is difficult it's not easy but there are opportunities there for people that are hungry enough to, to seek them out Absolutely. I think those are some really good tips that you put in as well. But I think, Bill, you touched on this earlier when you were talking about grades and work experience and extracurricular activities. And I don't think there would be a right answer, but is there one that is most preferred or is it just sort of, as you said, like all around? No, yeah, not necessarily. I think the reality is that everything, yeah, everything basically is weighted Mm -hmm. over, over, you know, not in a score sense, but but in the sense of somebody's currently at uni and they've got an opportunity to adjust their timetable a little bit to be able to entertain a, a job for two or three days a week. Do it. Like, you know, get yourself exposed into a law firm. Get yourself, go to a suburban law firm, go to an in-house corporate. We get so many, you know, clients calling us for paralegals to do, you know, big ticket litigation matters at some of the larger firms. It's good exposure to get a, a job in a law firm or even in an in-house environment. Get some work experience because that's going to make you assess if this is the right job for you or if this is the right area of law that you want to practice in because a lot of people don't always know what they want to do. Mm. So, you know, the opportunities to go in as a summer clerk or a graduate gives you that, yes, it does. However, you can also see what it entails as a paralegal or a clerk. So absolutely, especially given the fact that we are all working on a hybrid basis and studying on a hybrid basis Mm. a lot more, people are doing lectures at night or things are recorded. Again, it goes back to very different. When I was at uni, you had to travel, attend university, attend the lectures. It's a lot more flexible these days. So I think a good mix is, is important. And I think that if you are able to secure a job, it doesn't have to be in the top tier straight away. It could be a suburban law firm doing wills and estates, criminal family, some property transactions, mm. litigation. There's so much on offer. People are people are starving for, you know, these law firms out, especially some of the smaller law firms are starving for students, for good students who are, who are keen and are eager. And, you know, there's opportunities there. You just need to be a bit more proactive. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think in terms of extracurriculars as well, like you might like doing things which aren't related to law. That's okay, mm-hmm. you know. And Absolutely. chances are, you know, the partners that are going to be reviewing your applications and the and the grad recruitment team, you know, someone else might like doing the same thing as you, or one of the partners might like playing tennis as well. Absolutely. Like, by all means, you know, don't shy away from you know who you are as well, um, and what you think needs to be okay on paper. Do you know if you enjoy cooking or you know reading or playing tennis and, or, or beer know. bongs yeah maybe don't put maybe that, don't maybe put that. Put that. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my cv i'm joking <laughs> one two three that's good that's good but but i will say actually rosie again hitting the nail on the head there with the interest that is actually spot on because those summer clerk and grad interviews can be so boring, and I'll, I shouldn't say that because, but allegedly no. so boring. However, they can be a bit monotonous because you are meeting person after person after person is coming through, and you're spending a whole day interviewing maybe 10 candidates. And the one thing that gets you through it is looking at what their interests are or something outside of law that you can talk about. Because as Rosie said, people are looking for ways to connect with others. So yep. that is a very important thing to say and, and to add into your CV. Put in something as, as random as it would be, it doesn't matter. You know, anything yep. will anything to start a conversation. Yeah. People are obsessed with that. And I, I, yeah, and I think that obviously, you know, these candidates aren't going to have loads of experience to talk no. about. So 
in the interview, chances are they're going to be asking you about what you like to do in your spare time. So I'd say have a mix of things that are relevant and will, you know, definitely show a bit of your personality and who you are, which with things that maybe aren't so relevant to law. So yeah. I think that's Absolutely. massively important. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, whatever that might be. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing I will just add to that is also know your audience yes when you are in those interviews yeah so when i was in law firms i would interview with i had interviews a couple of different i mean i had hundreds of interviews but when we were doing those clerkship or the grad interviews one time i would be with a partner who is more traditional in their approach mm. but another time i might be with somebody who is a lot more engaging and a lot more open and a lot more sort of you know flexible in the, and adaptable in the way that they like to interview and would ask and would crack a few jokes and mm. would ask you know interesting questions so again and sometimes this is difficult to assess before you go into a, a meeting but you will know if you're meeting a finance or a corporate partner more often than not they they're not always i mean i'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll be they'll be very friendly and very very, very direct nice, probably quite direct but could be exactly could yeah a little bit you know, and it, and it's just you will know very quickly when you enter an interview room you'll with know these quickly. people yeah. the mood, and you will you will just read the room. Is, yeah. I suppose is my. But is I my, think you're bang on there. Yeah. I think uh, reading the room, using your intuition. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, know your audience. You can feel a change in atmosphere almost. When absolutely. You, Definitely. When something's not how you might think it might be, absolutely. and you have to quickly think on your feet and switch up. And that's not always a bad no, thing, and no. it's not that they are trying to make people feel uncomfortable. Often, it's a way to see how you handle the situation. Absolutely. So it's always a test, you know, because <laughs> you're going to probably be in situations like that as a lawyer. So they probably it's almost Absolutely. like a mini test beforehand before entering yep. into the field. So I think that's a good mm. point, Bill. They like you on your feet. What's that? Sorry. They like you on your feet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> well, I will take it to the next question, sure. and I think it's one that a lot of people would like to know. And I think we've touched on a bit. Um, it's a very important part. What should candidates include in a CV and a cover letter? Well, good question. <laughs> so, and and when we're talking, I suppose, and we are directing this obviously to more the university students. Knowledge of the firm, well, attention to detail is number one. So I should yes. say we should start with that. Attention to detail is probably the most important thing, especially when you are, you know, you are applying for a graduate or a, a summer clerkship or, or any type of student slash law clerk slash paralegal role. Attention to detail on the law firm, who the role is working with, how to address the letter, a knowledge or an understanding of the practice area that you're that you're looking to um, to work in. Knowledge of potentially if the partner, if you understand the partner's uh, background or, or where they're from, knowing the practice area and being explaining why your skill set or why you are interested in this area. Again, when we go back to the fact that you may not have that skill set straight away, it's about detailing a, a basic understanding of what the industry is, or maybe some something about maybe news or recent events that have happened or just articulating your interest in that area mm -hmm. or um, when I was working in-house I would often get people that would have spelling mistakes I would have um, people sending me letters addressed to a different firm or a different company or yeah. my name was spelled wrong I've got a long Greek surname so it would often get misspelled yeah um, guilty yeah and, 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 that's, that's, and that's okay Look, everybody makes mistakes but I think when you're when you're applying for these jobs it is a full-time job almost when you're applying for these clerkships. I know that that process is happening at the moment for the penultimate year students, but it is so important to make sure that that stuff is done right mm -hmm. and that you are making sure that you are you know, very much focusing on 
if a law firm is a, a global law firm and they're an industry-focused law firm or they're a full-service law firm, you need to be able to acknowledge and distinguish that from others. So that is very important. Sorry, I keep talk, I'll talk no, about No, no, no. Um, I think Bill's right. You know, you're also p- applying for legal roles, remember? So attention to detail and, you know, grammar and addressing the right person, I can't stress enough. I know that probably have a lot of applications to get through. People are time poor, but spend the time because it's so worth it yeah. you know what I, that, yeah, yeah i know i'm kind of regurgitating no, 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 what you just not. said but um and, and, <laughs> and again roro you hit the nail on the head again time poor is absolutely number one because how many times have i hit the nail no, on the head killing I'm it. she's killing control. it today. she's killing it she's killing it so yeah people are time poor so the, the average person will look at your cv for maybe two or three seconds yeah especially in that uh, graduate slash uh, summer clerkship application they will scroll through your academics they will scroll through your application very quickly so if they don't find something that that excites them next and can i add one more thing no pictures on a cv maybe no pictures yeah maybe no yeah pictures. you know the, no the, the, the you know the leave whole, that for instagram yeah it, leave it to instagram leave Filters. it to snapchat or <laughs> whatever tiktok just a messenger <laughs> but i think uh yeah no pictures they don't need to be and that's another one i know a lot of, a lot of people still yeah. do it but i just don't yeah. i don't know if that's just no. me but it would be i think no, no, no i agree i think no i think no pictures you want to like i said you want to focus on the detail on your cv so as we said the extracurricular activities the interesting experience if you have it like I said, the cover letter, which should not be more than a page, by the way, as well, because you don't want to put too much information. As I said, people are very time poor. They're not going to scroll through pages and pages of a cover letter. No. And, you know, you detailing. It's really just keeping it keeping it concise, short, and, and sweet. Absolutely. But punchy. A bit like Bill's answers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Wow. How rude. some tea now. Yeah. Amazing. Um those were some great tips for you know that first stage of the application for candidates and if they do progress to the interview stage I think Bill you touched on this earlier when you were speaking about you know being able to think on your feet and Mm -hmm. reading the room but do you have any other tips for candidates who want to nail the interview process yes for sure so Rose and I were talking about this earlier so we were talking about that arrive a few minutes early don't, obviously don't be late, but don't be too early. That's another one to actually mention because what happens is you will turn up to an interview. I've had people turn up half an hour early. I know that you're eager, I know that you're excited, but honestly, go downstairs, go downstairs, get yourself a coffee or a tea. If you don't wanna you know, be buzzed by the coffee, get yourself a tea, go and relax, come back upstairs, at, get the lift at five minutes to the time that you um, yeah. have the appointed time because there's nothing worse then reception calling whoever it is, the partner or the um, or the, the HR person, whoever is involved in interviewing and saying, Joe Bloggs has turned up for his interview at 12 o'clock and it's now 11.30 a.m. So it's yeah. fine. And what I would do, do in those situations, I would just go back to the reception and say, that's fine, offer them a coffee, just tell them we're not going to be there till 12. So, or tell them to go and get a coffee and come back. But it's just something you shouldn't do that. And it's just only because you don't want to make it... Um, yeah, awkward for the person will make them feel that they need to rush, rush. to finish off yeah. their client work. 
you know, respect, as we say, respect the diary, respect the time that, that you've been allotted. <laughs> yeah. and, and, then, and like I said, it's more just about, about being a little bit early, a couple minutes early is perfect. Go five minutes early is fine. Ask to use the bathroom, whatever you need to do, but don't go too early. So that's my biggest yeah. tip, number one. <laughs> I, I also think that, you know, with COVID and everything, you know, sort of attire in the office has kind of been a bit, yep. a bit grey Absolutely. recently. And I think you're still going to a job interview, you know, guys wear a suit and tie, you know, dress appropriately, you know, girls go corporately, you know, mm-hmm. whether, you know, yep. I don't know, in your blouse and Anything, trousers. Jacket, 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 jacket is but, always, I think jacket is always preferred. Jacket yes. is always preferred. It doesn't have to be just a jacket, pants, jacket, skirt, whatever, corporate. And Just keep it corporate. Like, like, like you say, you don't know, and you're going to know quite quickly when you go into the room. Someone might not be wearing a tie, or you might be meeting someone who is, you know, for instance, a little bit more serious and, and corporate. So, you know, you just don't know. So, the, you're better, no one's going to criticize you for coming in, you know, dressed Absolutely. appropriately, Absolutely. you know, but you could get criticized for being too casual. Absolutely. So, you know, just, uh, I think that's another thing to bear in mind because I think in, since COVID, sort of office wear attires that probably gone downhill a little bit in um, some places but you know um yeah no no 100% you could always take off a tie yes you know so it's not an issue but you can't make one magically appear, <laughs> appear. <laughs> let me get my wand out <laughs> better to be safe than sorry really. exactly yeah. that's a better way of putting it absolutely <laughs> again Rosie good on you it reminded me of something else too with the VCs, if you are doing it in a VC, please, please, please make sure that the room is quiet. You are indoors and there's no background noise. Oh, I've yes. had people interview with me in a car park in their car, you know, ridiculous. I've had people interview me at their office foyer. I've had people, you know, it's just not right. Yeah, and treat a VC to, like you were there. Like you in were person. in there in person. And I will often say to people, if you are doing a VC with a, and especially in the law grad, go somewhere to conduct that VC. Don't do it at home if you can avoid it. Yeah. If you have family or people working from home or there's other background noise that's a going dog to interrupt barking. a dog or something, go somewhere where you know you can um, you, you can actually set up the VC. You can come here, for God's sakes. I couldn't care less. Like, I'd rather <laughs> you guys be, like, that they be somewhere where it's peace and quiet. I mean, you might hear Rosie and I in the background laughing in the office. We'll try to keep it down. However, <laughs> I would recommend absolutely going somewhere where you can have that peace and quiet. Where we are now, it's a white, you know, back, you know, blank screen in the background. Mm. It's quiet. It's easy. It's just no distraction because you want your one thousand percent focus to be on that interview, especially if there's more than two people interviewing you, even more than one. Sorry, I should say because on a VC, it's very difficult. There's an additional issue of Wi-Fi, technical. Um, some you know sometimes there's a bit of a delay in the sound or you know how that is and that's just an extra added layer of complexity to an already sometimes stressful time as you're going through these processes yeah i think overall be prepared be on time but not you know too not too early dress appropriately make sure your wi-fi works it's basic stuff as well and just treat you know every interview and give it your all because you're not the only person interviewing for that job probably so just bear that in mind and always be prepared is yeah. the main thing do uh, you do your dd, DD. linkedin Re- research people research 
Um, People have Facebook accounts as well. That actually brings us to another point. Social media. People oh, yes. that have their own social media accounts. If you've got, you know, if I've got Bill Panarias at uh, on Facebook and I've got myself partying on the weekend, drinking tequila, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's all completely fine. Yeah. I'm just saying that people will search and access your social media. So yep. if you want to be a little bit more discreet, change put, the name. <laughs> put, put, put it on private. Or put you it know, on private. Put it on friends only, completely private yeah. or, you know, I mean, I know. It doesn't have to be like that forever. It just can be throughout that process that you do that. You totally. Know? And I think people do check, especially when you're grads and, and so on. So yeah. It, it yeah. Takes it. It's completely fine, but just know that it will be looked at. Thanks for that. Um, we'll go <laughs> on to the next question. As someone who was recently a first year, how can first and second year students break into the legal field? Yep, great question. As I said earlier, before we talked about you know law students trying to get into... Yeah, get get a job in a in a law firm or going in house. There are thousands of you know law firms across Sydney, and they're not all the top tier and global firms. Now there are hundreds of ways to, to to go about it, but I think one of the biggest things is law firms are very happy to take on students if they are, like I said, if they're eager, they're keen, and they're a bit proactive. You know what? My advice is going in, having a look at who are the law firms that are that you're wanting to work with. Are you want to work in a commercial law firm? Look at the, the sort of maybe some of the smaller suburban firms or some even the larger ones or even some of the city boutiques. If they're available, if they've got if you've got two or three probably three days availability would be ideal because I think two days is probably just not enough. But if you've got three or more days availability to go and work in a law firm, whilst you can mix it up with university, I think absolutely it's always a great opportunity to to, to put your CV out there, send your details to a partner in a law firm direct, research their backgrounds, research what they do. I actually had, when I was at one of the law firms I was at, I had a partner who had a $20 million practice in construction email me to say, hey, I got this email, I want you to interview this candidate for me. And it was just a random email that the candidate had sent to the partner. This is a partner of a global law firm who run, ran this massive arbitration and said to me, I'd like you to interview this person. She was really impressed by the fact that this candidate, now, you know what, it may not always work like that because she obviously caught her on a good day, right? So the reality was I then interviewed that candidate, that candidate came in, we had a chat, we had, you know, I was really impressed by her, set up an interview with a partner, then that person got a job. Now that person was working casually for two or three years and then was offered a clerkship and is now a graduate at that at that same firm now that's one example of how it works right and like I said it doesn't always work like that and you're not always going to get that reaction but you never know if you don't try right life's all about timing absolutely yeah so if you're yeah if if you're a first or second year student and you have a couple of days days spare absolutely and it's a bit of extra money as well like you know obviously you're juggling other part-time jobs and whatnot but if you're eventual goal is which you would think it would be cost so bloody much to go to uni these days (laughs) to go to a law firm and work as a lawyer then you want to get exposure to it as early as you possibly can and it will also help you with your your law degree as well but my advice is absolutely giving you know doing some research from an early stage going through emailing partners sending through a cv spamming it out look you can you're going to do it a couple you know to a number of partners throughout you might get a couple of bites and then Mm. see how you go I think that's amazing. It's really good to see that, you know, first and second year law students can absolutely break in yep. when they're, you know, hungry enough, as absolutely. you guys are saying. Absolutely. You yeah, know, awesome. and, yeah, and like I said, that, that's one example. I've had a few others similar, but that was probably one of the best that I've had. 
it's always nice to hear a story like that as well. Yeah. yeah. To see it all work out in the end. Yeah. And you're not alone. Like, everyone has to get their first job. Absolutely. It's usually, you know, the hardest to yeah. get. So um, use, use there's a lot, of, a lot of rejection and mm-hmm. it can get disheartening, but mm-hmm. you're not alone. We've all, everyone's, everyone's been, been in there. that. Everyone's been there. So. Everyone's been there. Um, I'll, I'll put my hand up and say my mum got me my, well, didn't get me my first job, but when I went to law, mm-hmm. I, my mum my mum worked with a guy 20 years ago at David Jones, who was a law student, and then by the time I'd finished my degree, was running his own firm, and basically was, you know, uh, ran into him one day at a party and said, my son's finished uni, or, you know, and is struggling to find a job, no one will hire him, no. <laughs> and that was the unfortunate reality. Uh, and I was working at a bank at the time, and I really didn't want to leave because I was actually enjoying the bank more, and actually uh, that worked out how we knew it would because that's why I'm sitting here today however as a result of that I then got an interview and then interviewed again and started and then I, I got a job with that firm now I'm not saying that nepotism is still well it is still sometimes out there <laughs> but the reality is the relationships that you have and it just goes back to relationships if you have the you know good relationships with people and you um, treat people very nicely and again sorry that was another thing I wanted to say as well about yeah. the students be nice. Be kind. Be nice to people. Be kind. You know, because it's going to come back to bite you. The yeah. world is small, and in yeah. Sydney, small. Sydney's very small. You know, everyone knows everyone. Chances are, hypothetically, your lecturers probably have contacts as well in the legal field. Mm. Absolutely. The chances are, you know, they know people, and if they want to help you in any way that they can, they probably will try. And mm. just, just be kind and be humble and the right thing will swing back your way you know exactly. may it may take a while and sometimes it does but mm. it always works out in the end so i think that's a very valid point we did mm. want to touch upon that actually we right? did yes we yeah. forgot about that <laughs> yeah. it doesn't cost much to be kind so no, why wouldn't you do it exactly Absolutely. exactly but amazing thanks guys so while we're speaking about students have you seen a rise in students striving for a career beyond corporate now this could be just beyond corporate law or beyond corporate law firms or that sort of corporate world yeah i think so definitely i think that corporate m a definitely is still popular but you know i think things have changed massively you know there's been a massive rise with people wanting to go down sort of the the tmt roles so sort of corporate m a roles with um a bit of a tech flair all the more sort of actual technology focused roles as well and i think you know especially in house you know there's been so many cool organizations in the market with a lot of sort of perks as well and which is very different to you know a stereotypical sort of corporate environment you know they have sort of these converted warehouses in surrey hills where you get sort of breakfast lunch and dinner and you get you know, incentive trips globally and, you know, flexible working. You can bring your dog to the office and casual work attire and stuff, which is, you know, places, you know, for instance, like Atlassian and Safety Culture, Canva. I know the CEO of Canva, Melanie Perkins, she's obviously mm. sort of created a very different working environment to a stereotypical sort of corporate. So I think definitely seeing more people wanting to go and junior solicitors wanting to go into sort of the tech space as well. So, and I think that's the way of the future. So I think that's why a lot of people have got a lot more interest in that and how it works from a legal perspective. But yeah, I'd say so. I think there are still some people who are more traditional and go for the this, this sort of 
traditional yeah, routes. Yeah. I definitely think we're seeing a bit of a change in that uh, movement. Oh, look, definitely. I mean, law is changing and, and the way that people approach legal services has changed even in the last five to ten years to what it was back in the day. I mean, you now have... Um, as Rosie said, now you've got all these startups, you've got all these different tech companies and they've all got their own legal teams. Law firms are, you know, obviously adapting their models to suit the client uh, client needs. Mm-hmm. And the clients, like I said, and the clients are now shifting sometimes, they, they're expanding their own legal teams, their internal legal teams to cover because now there's so many regulatory changes that are going on at the moment. You've got, you know, all these uh, royal commissions that have happened. You've got a lot of corporate governance now about the way that directors operate and how they behave. You've got um, obviously a lot of legislative changes at the moment. COVID has been a massive impact to business and how people do business and how and how employees work and interact with each other and how clients work and interact with each other. So there's been so much change over the last five to ten years now that people have to adapt. And so the reality is that has created a number of other interesting career opportunities, I suppose you could put it that way, for lawyers or law students. So, um, but as Rosie said, I think majority of people are probably going still towards that traditional legal path of private practice because they do want to get a sense of what the law firm environment is like Mm -hmm. and you feel like you will get that training in the law firm but there's nothing to say that you can't also then get that out through an in-house environment or even another type of professional services firm a lot of the accounting firms now and professional services firms have got their own legal functions we were dealing with a client today that's opened up their own law firm inside it within the corporate so there are a lot of new law structures around that can offer just as good a a career path than the traditional models. Definitely. I think it's good to know that we time and time again on the podcast keep saying that corporate isn't the be all and end all and it's nice to see that re-emphasized by um, you know career specialists as well. So many fascinating different areas. I find the technology space really fascinating in particular. Yeah Yeah. I think it's it's a good space to get into you know because that's going to be the Oh, it's it's it's, <laughs> so, it's thriving. It's yeah. I mean, most of our roles, most of the roles that I work on at the moment, have yeah. a tech focus, as as is Rosie's as well, and they're all working in that space. And it's it's a lot of the general commercial and corporate lawyers that are moving or branching out into that sort of area. But it's definitely definitely a massive massive growth space. Yeah, I mean, I had a client who's a more of a transactional banking lawyer, and he said to me, you know, if I could go back in time to when I was a graduate, I would have gone into tech. You know, I <laughs> yeah. wish I had. But, yep. you know, it's obviously a, a bit of a long time ago now. Mm. But, you know, he said, you know, that would be my advice to sort of young graduates and, and junior lawyers in the market. That that's definitely a good space to get into. And more often or not, if you ever go in-house, the, the tech or even the fintechs, those organisations are cool, cool places to work. So, you know, never know, you might get a job at Google. So. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Reach for the stars. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thanks for that, guys. Is there anything else you'd like to add on? Oh, no. I don't know. I think we've, I think we've covered, 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 covered quite things. a lot. Um, yeah. Perhaps a key takeaway. Key takeaways. I said, I think be nice, be kind, mm-hmm. be prepared. Yeah. Don't arrive too early. <laughs> no, look, I, I just think, you know, it's still a very competitive market at the moment. I think, you know, there's a lot of students out there 
that you know spend all this time, all this money, and all this energy and investment into their studies, mm. but they also really do need to put in some time and effort into their commercial careers or into 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 their work experience as well. Because I think just having a, a uni degree now is not enough, and you know I think you need to use every avenue available to you and more to to get yourself an opportunity to experience what a law firm or what a legal career could look like so that you can work out if this is worth the investment or you know and what we're doing because there are so many people that will go into law like myself that venture out to other areas and not just in recruitment they go into government they go into more of a commercial role they go that you know in compliance governance there's so many things that you can do with a legal career but i think it's important to understand what makes you tick, what you're passionate about, what you love. And I think getting that exposure early on in your career and in your studies is going to help you in the long run. Yeah, and I think be open-minded. Don't be too fixated on a particular specialty. Like you never know where your career is gonna go until you start doing it. I mean, even myself, I never thought that I'd be sort of doing what I do, but you know, just, have an open mind and people do look for that as well be a yes person can do attitude they sound all like basic things but it it is important so those are probably my key takeaways as well (laughs) amazing yeah. Thanks for that, Bill and Rosie. I've learned a lot. I think Blake. Yeah. I'm the youngest one here. I think I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. We're, we're more than happy to chat. And yeah, hopefully we invite back again soon one day. Yeah, we'll definitely. We'd love it. A sequel. And you guys did really great for your first time. On the Thank you very much. Well. All right, Bill and Rosie. We hope you've had a good time today. Thank you. I've been yeah. Karina. I've been Blake. You've been talking with Rosie. <laughs> and you've been talking with Bill. Thank you. We'll see you next week at the happiest happy hour. See ya. Thank you. Bye.